Ag State of Mind, episode 53. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows, and today marks one year anniversary of the Ag State of Mind podcast. We launched this podcast last year on September 30th. Um, I do know it's September 28th, but this week is the one year anniversary. So I am so grateful for all the things that I have learned during this podcast, all the people who I have gotten to interact with, whether it be through guests of the podcast or people who I've interacted with online and some people who have even become best friends of mine. Um, This podcast has been a blessing to me and my family, and uh, it wouldn't have been possible without all the people listening to this podcast. Um, I appreciate every one of you. I appreciate whether it's be be your support through listening, through social media, through telling other people about it. There's so many ways to support this podcast. I understand not everybody can listen to the podcast, but uh, I, I really do appreciate everyone supporting me however you can and really look forward to the growth that's coming this year. Um, it's where we came from last year to this year is I never would have imagined it. And I I hope I can see that level of growth throughout this second year. So, um, thanks to all you, it's been a really, really great year and I look forward to another great year. So with that being said, we are going into the world of dairy again today. My guest is Dr. Amanda Stone. Amanda, um, she is an assistant professor at Mississippi State University. Uh, She works with dairy farmers in the state of Mississippi through the University Extension Program. Um, We actually connected through our friends over at AgriSafe. Uh, I was on a conference call with a lot of the AgriSafe affiliates. Amanda happened to be on that call, um, and she reached out to me right after the call, and we got to know each other. Um, Really cool. Really happy. And again, can't say enough good things about AgriSafe. They've been some of my biggest supporters uh, through this whole year. And as you know, going back, uh, we featured them and talked about them on several podcasts. So um, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes to AgriSafe for everyone to go check them out. Um, just love all the programs they do um, and connecting with, connecting me with people like Amanda. Um, so today we talk about we talk about the dairy industry and how so many people, myself included, so many people in ag just don't understand the dairy industry unless they actually work inside of it or um, work with it directly. It's such a uh, it's such a different industry. Uh, I just there's so many so many things within it, so many working parts, and um, I'm really thankful for what I've learned in it. Um, then we talk about milk, about it being part of a healthy diet, and how it kind of got a bad name their first some years. Um, and then we finish by chatting about her mental health first first aid, excuse me, mental health first aid training, which uh, I'll link in the show notes. And you're going to be noticing, I'm going to start doing some things a little bit differently with the show notes. Um, I'm going to be starting to log uh 
link the a blog post instead of just a one link in the show notes. That way I can put in a lot more notes in there and be a little m- more flexible with what uh, the information that I want you guys to see. So uh, I had a great chat with Amanda. Um, one thing I didn't talk to her about, I wanted to, but we didn't, but somewhere that you guys will be able to find that information is oh, go over to my friend Trevor Williams. He has the Farm Traveler podcast, and I wanted to talk about A2 Milk, and with the, all the discussion that Amanda and I had, we didn't really get around to that. Um, we had a great discussion of other things, but Trevor talked about this thing, very things specifically on his podcast a few weeks ago uh, with with a woman who I can't recall her name now, but I will link that in the show notes to go over and check that out. If you have any questions about A2 milk, it's this new thing um, where people, a lot of people who uh, thought they were lactose intolerant can actually drink the milk that comes from cows from these A2 dairies, uh, A2 uh, cows that produce A2 milk. Um, I'm butchering the uh, everything, the scientific stuff with it, but uh, go check that out because um, I learned a lot from that podcast. And uh, Trevor is a great friend of mine. Trevor has been a huge supporter of this podcast. Uh, him and I being on one another's podcast, so go check that out. Really cool episode. Learned a lot from it. So, all right, here is my episode with Amanda Stone from Mississippi State Extension. All right, Amanda, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing tonight? I appreciate you inviting me. I'm doing okay. Of course. Like this is, this is so cool. We, uh, a lot of the podcasts that I've been listening to ag podcasts, um, have been talking to folks about dairy. Rob Sharkey had Derek Josie on, uh, my friend Trevor Williams. He had someone talking about the A2 milk proteins on his farm, the farm traveler podcast. I just listened to that on my way home this afternoon from work. And it's been a while since we we've talked to a lot of dairy folks throughout this podcast. And, but I think it's, it's been a while. So it's kind of nice to get back in that because I've learned so much about the world that I had no idea about. So I'm really thankful for you to come on and, you know, kind of remind us uh, what's going on in dairy. Yeah. Well, it's a very, interesting industry i'm a little biased obviously since it's what i do for a living but it's it's different than a lot of right. different um agricultural commodities like it, there's a lot of differences in it and i think it people don't really realize that and so now that dairy is getting a little bit more of a spotlight unfortunately for not great reasons but i think people are learning more about it and i, I appreciate people right. wanting to learn about it yeah it's you know we don't have many dairies or i mean any really that there were some dairies around before I was born where I live, but not much anymore. I mean, you have to travel quite a ways to find a dairy, probably up north, uh, probably about a couple hours to find them. But uh, mostly, I think because the availability of of the crops and of corn and everything, I just we, that's just not something that's around us. And really, if we're gonna have anything grass based, it's gonna be beef here. So. Um, it's just, just, just different. We're just in a different part of the country. So if you don't mind, let everybody know kind of who you are. We kind of, we got kind of set up through AgriSafe and every, everybody knows how I feel about AgriSafe. Just love them. I'll promote them till the day I die because I, I, um, I, I just, I'm so thankful for all that they, all the support they've given me. So, um, that's how you and I connected. Um, but just let everybody know who you are, you know, how you, what your background is and where you ended up, how you ended up where you are now. Sure. So I'm Amanda Stone. 
I am currently located in Starkville, Mississippi. I'm an assistant professor and extension dairy specialist at Mississippi State University. Um, you may notice that I don't have a Mississippi accent. I'm originally from Pennsylvania, um, right outside of Pittsburgh. Um, I did my undergraduate degree, my bachelor's in um, Finley, Ohio, and then I went to the University of Kentucky in Lexington for my master's and PhD. And the day after my defense of my PhD, we moved down here. So we've been here about four years last month. Um, I work with AgriSafe um, in a grant collaboration projects. They, I will reiterate, they are wonderful. <laughs> I respect wonderful. their wonderful. work and them as people. They, they do a lot of great things for the agricultural industry. Um, and we're very lucky to have a really great team here at Mississippi State here who does a lot of um, farm strength and mental health work. And so that's actually how I got connected to AgriSafe is through the work that others had started here. And I kind of got looped into i'm not i'm not a human scientist or really a you know i don't i don't study that normally but i work with farmers every every single day right and i saw issues that needed to be taken care of beyond the animals as I'm, I'm an animal scientist um so normally that's what i'm working on but i mean it's there's there's issues going on and we formed a team that i think i bring the value to, to them that I work with producers and then other people have, you know, communication skills and they have human science skills and public health skills. And so everybody is kind of working as a team to try to handle mental health issues in the farming community. So you bring up, you, I'm glad you said what you said, because you aren't, you aren't a professional in regards to mental health. You are an ex you're an extension specialist you're a dairy specialist i mean that's you work with the dairy farmers but that's important that you are seeing that this is a priority and this is something that people need to pay attention to because probably the first person they may feel comfortable talking to is someone like you um someone who they see and aren't threatened by in a you know in a day-to-day -day and work have a working relationship with and i think that's really really important now obviously you're not the end destination for them if there really is a problem but you're you're the one who can kind of um maybe set some things in motion uh -huh. among yeah. other people among, among a lot of other people sure well and i hope that my producers or anybody really feels like they can talk to me and that i'm a safe place and you know that they can feel comfortable to do that. But think of that you talk to a lot of people who work in agriculture, you, you know that farmers in general, they think that people from the outside don't understand them, right? And I think there's at least some truth to that. And so you kind of have to be on the inside, if you will, to, to really, I mean, you, you really don't understand like what a dairy producer does every day. You know, you can't schedule a meeting at nine o'clock in the morning because they're still milking cows, right? And so people who aren't inside the industry don't realize those types of things, you know, that you don't really think about on a normal daily basis. So it's important to have that connection. You, you bring up a really interesting point and something I found just today too. I actually called in uh, or I messaged Derek Josie. TDF Honest Farming yeah. out in Oregon uh, does, you know, does some really great things on Facebook and advocacy to be on the podcast in a few months. And I think a lot of things, times when people think of farmers, ranchers, they think of someone who might have some freedom and some flexibility. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really happen with dairy folks. 
I mean, it, it it's is. a it's a it it's is. a revolving <laughs> clock. I mean, yeah, and that's one of the things works that, you know, I always got to be done. Minutes ago, that it's, dairy is a little bit different than other commodities because you know they you have to milk your cows at least twice a day every day. Some people are milking three times a day. You know, they you can't just say, hey, I'm gonna go out to dinner with my wife tonight, so can you please not produce any milk until morning, right? Like <laughs> you have to handle it, and you can hire people potentially on on larger farms that aren't quite as, you know, strapped to the farm, but then you have to deal with all of the labor issues that come into play when you have other people doing things on the farm. So it, it, it is very much, you know, they don't take vacations. They don't really just even get a, a night to themselves very often. Yeah, no, I mean, that's tough. I mean, I, I, talking to dairy people makes me realize how easy raising beef cattle is sometimes. I mean, in comparison, <laughs> like, I mean, dang, like it, the the life is tough. And, uh, it but, is. but, but, I mean, there's so much good that comes from milk. I mean, we didn't, we don't realize how important milk is until it's not, until like, like something like happened in earlier this year. Yeah. You know, uh-huh, and milk's uh-huh. not, we see milk not on the shelves. We always kind of took it for granted. Like, whoa, what happened? Why is milk not here anymore? And, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, they're kind of like offensive linemen in football. I kind of feel like. I used to understand how, how dairy farmers like do it. And I still don't truly understand how they do it. But it, it really, something that opened my just a year ago or something. Um, it was really hard life. How do you deal with? having to be there all the time and all these difficulties and everything. And, you know, he said he was, I think, a third generation dairy farmer. And he said, you know, I, I don't know any different, right? Like he's never not been a dairy farmer. And so that is their livelihood. Yeah, that's what their parents did. That's what their grandparents did. And there's a lot of family farms, you know, not just dairy and just in general in the agricultural industry. And I mean, they, they want to be farmers. If you didn't want to be a farmer, you certainly would not <laughs> pick up that career path because it's not easy and you don't get paid a lot of money. So <laughs> it's kind of like teaching, right? Yeah, not no. everybody is about. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I remember there was, they didn't have a big dairy, but they just had a few milk cows at home. I think like, like 10, they just had them you know, they, they, I, I'm not sure exactly. I think they were show cows and that that's kind of what they were into. And, uh, I remember they just, they just didn't go on vacation and they liked it that way. You know, yeah, they, li- yeah. they liked, they liked having the milk cows. They didn't mind, you know? So, I mean, it's, a, it absolutely takes a different kind of person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we should be, I know I am, but everybody in general should be a lot more appreciative than we are of, of these producers who are giving up so much. They sacrifice so much to put a healthy, nutritious, safe product on our dinner table and breakfast table and lunch table every single day of our lives. Yeah. Well, that's a really good transition into something I want to talk about and something for everybody who listens to the podcast. Normally what I do is I have a set of talking points to people and I send them to them and then we that's how we prepare for the podcast. Well, today was a little bit different because I don't know, I just didn't really 
prepare anything. I don't know why. So I I asked Amanda, like, what do you want to talk about? And she just like, you know, she just sent me this huge long text. I'm like, yes, that's a lot easier. So I, I don't know. You may have a lasting impression on this podcast. So I, I, I appreciate that. Well, but good. <laughs> One one of the things that you brought up was milk and how it's being distributed in the schools and milk consumption in, in general and like where are we going wrong as a society and how do we need to improve in your opinion, of course. Sure. So yeah, so this is my opinion from experience. Um, uh-huh. I, I think there's several issues, right? So in general, um, milk consumption has, fluid milk consumption has decreased for many years. I mean, this is, this is not a new trend that's happening. There's a lot of other products out there that now compete with milk. Um, nut juices are one of them. Oat mm-hmm. juice, those types of products that are on the shelves that people think are healthier and they absolutely are not. Um, so they don't compare to milk, pop or soda against whatever region you're in. Those compete with milk too. You know, like when I was growing up or when our parents were growing up, you know, you had milk or water and that's what you, you drank, you know, you didn't have a Coke or anything like that. So all of these things have put fluid milk at least on kind of a back burner if you will. And so a few years ago, um, when Michelle Obama launched her campaign about, you know, nutrition in schools, which is very important. Obviously, we want our kids to eat nutritious food and everything. She got rid of whole milk and flavored milk in schools. And obviously, fat and um, sugar (laughs) make milk taste really great, right? We only drink whole milk and even the chocolate milk we buy here is whole chocolate milk, which is harder to Mm -hmm. find than the others. Um, But that's what gets kids interested in it, right? And they're not gonna go home and say, I really want some milk. Can you go to the store and buy some milk so I can have it with dinner if their milk doesn't taste great, right? So we have to find a way through either flavored or higher fat contents or some other way to get kids interested. There's a lot of less fortunate families that don't have as much access to milk. And that's the place where we really can get it, get it into them because they need it. There's so many good things, especially for kids that it, that it provides. So, so that's one issue is the fluid milk consumption issue. Um, and COVID really made us realize how how difficult that all of that is because you know we use almost 50 percent i don't know the exact um, number i've read different ones different places um, of our milk goes to restaurants in schools and other you know food supply like coffee places and that type of stuff so when that shut down the whole market crashed right and so those types of things are really important to our industry that we need to make sure that they are still having new products that we come out with new things you know like the fair life for example right is a new ish a couple years old product that there was not really a new milk product on the market for a long time before that right so as a whole our industry does not do a great job at marketing new things right we have the got milk campaign that we've had for a really long time the data looks strong for that usually um, that it does help increase consumption but we're not putting out like really new products like some other industries are and i think that hurts us a little bit also yeah no i i agree and i think that's 
protein in general, whether it be milk for me, it's beef. I know we have done, um, we're doing a better job now, but like for a long time we got behind on this kind of stuff. And I think milk's very similar. So we're playing a lot of catch up right now. We're doing a lot better, but I think we still got a lot of work to be done. Uh, something I want to hit on a little bit, and it's the it, it's the nutritional value of milk. I think we were trained, I know I was a lot of times when you looked at something and it's fat content, and I, I talk about this as just general society, when you look at something, you look at its fat content and whole milk is, has, a, has, I mean, it's whole milk. It has considerable fat content. And we looked at that and that looked unhealthy. We were taught to see that increased fat content equals unhealthy. Where, I mean, where did this go wrong? Where did we start? Like, why did we start to think that milk was bad for us? Or why did people say that it was? That's a great question. And I, I really don't know at what point it happened. I, I don't know that there is like an exact point. I think it was, it has just been a trend for a really long time. And then all these other products hit the market quickly. I mean, they develop quick and often. Um, and so it's, it, it is hard to keep up. And if you don't have innovative marketing people trying to do things at the same speed that, you know, Coke is, then, then you're going to struggle with that. And that's actually partly how Fairlife came, came about is collaborating with some others outside of the dairy industry. Also, you know, it wasn't just in our close knit, this is how it's always been. This is how it's supposed to be type of, of mindset. But I don't, I don't know where we went wrong, but it's nutritionists, I'm, which I am not one, um, will tell yeah, you sure. that, you know, whole milk is actually good for you. You know, that, that it's healthy. There's, certain things that attach to the fat that you lose some of that whenever, you know, you, you are drinking other products that don't have that fat content and, and fat is delicious, right? In meat, you want marbling, you don't want really lean meat. It doesn't taste as good, but you know, it, it's good for you. It gets people to eat it. And it, there's kind of a spin on it that we probably should take more of that is kind of just human nature that when you see, you know, whole milk is three and a half percent fat, but if we called it 96 and a half percent fat free, you know, people would be more like, oh, well, that's okay, right? <laughs> but when they see the actual fat content, it, it scares them for some reason. But there's data out there that shows that people are actually less, I guess, skinnier. If, I don't know if that's the politically correct term, <laughs> have healthier body weight. Maybe. We know what you mean. <laughs> um, if they drink whole milk as opposed to the less fatty milks. Um, but really, you know, I am a whole milk proponent in schools, but really, if you want to drink 1% or skim or 2%, have at it, you know, it's drink milk, whatever that real milk product is. But I don't know where the fat issue came about. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then another thing is these things, and I, I like how the dairy folks, and I, I mean, we should all be treating it this way, calls the things, they're not, they're not milk, almond juice or uh whatever <laughs> yeah. other nut juice there is because like we are we in the meat industry are starting to see a parallel here in that mm -hmm. we're talking you know with these plant-based i'm not going to call them meats but plant-based yeah. proteins <laughs> plant-based burgers 
and that then even going forward to the cultured lab meets. So, I mean, we're starting to see some parallels over in our end and I understand the fight that you guys have had because it's a little insulting to think that something to call something what it's actually not. Uh-huh. Sure. And I mean, learn from our mistakes, please, <laughs> because we, we didn't handle it as well as we should yeah. have as, as a, an entire industry. Right. But I think those products are still important. And I, I know not everybody has this same view as what I'm about to express, but you know, someone is growing the crops that go into those plant-based products, you know, the almond juice or whatever. There's almond farmers who are growing those almonds and, and I support all agriculture no matter what it is. Yes. But yes. I don't want you coming at my dairy producers calling it milk when it's not milk, right? <laughs> so right. They, there's a there's a place for it. It just they need to be honest with what it really is. Because it confuses people. They really truly don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel the same way because, well, let's face it, soy, a lot of the burgers are made from soy and made from a lot of other harvested crops. And those are put up by farmers, people Mm -hmm. probably here in my home state. You know, Missouri is a huge soybean state. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of those plant-based proteins are come from that. But I don't want it called meat because it's not. Uh Uh-huh. So. Yep. I'm with you there. So, And I want to make sure and give this ample time because this can get pretty, I don't know, pretty, pretty, pretty deep, pretty hot here. And it's talking about, you, you brought this up talking about the animal rights folks. I I use that. I use quotations around animal rights because I don't feel that that is what they're really about. I, I, I don't feel that they are, have the animals best welfare in the the most extreme people. And I mean, anyway, so how is that affecting people in the, I mean, we saw the whole thing with the company uh, a few years ago and there's a lot of these setups. I feel like where people are being set up to make it and even not even set up, but Derek Josie was actually talking about it on, on Rob Sharkey's show this week and where he was giving an IV and, you know, he had to put the, I don't know, I can't remember what it's called, but put the thing in the nose to make sure to control their neck and, you know, from a certain angle that can make it made look to look like abuse mm-hmm. when in fact they're really just trying to help the animal out and make sure they're healthy. So, I mean, there's so much of this, like it, it's so hard to navigate this stuff, but at the same time, be open to the public and be transparent. So I want to hear your thoughts on this because um, I know this is something you're passionate about. Yeah. So it is a very um, controversial topic that most people don't want to talk about because it's it's very emotional i feel like right so like on on every side of it right so that the animal rights people have an agenda no matter what group they are with their agenda is to stop animal agriculture with the case of like PETA, their agenda is to stop the entertainment use and agriculture of all animals they don't even want dogs and cats in their house right so they're pushing that agenda and they are not very ethical about how they will push that agenda. The people who post those videos should really be very ashamed of themselves and think about what they are doing. Because if you really saw someone abuse an animal and you didn't take action on that, there's something wrong. Okay. So like if I saw somebody doing it, I would stop that person, try to at least and, and report it, right. Report it to their boss, report it to their 
their milk co op, right? Like that you you have to take care of your animals. And I have never had to do that because I have never seen that. And you know, I've been on a lot of a lot of farms and haven't seen it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna break in just just for here for a second mm-hmm. and offer a perspective here and hope people realize this that a farmer a dairy farmer, a worker has absolutely zero to gain from abusing an animal. Zero. Mm -hmm. Animal welfare is in the farmer's best interest always, 100% of the time. And I think that we need to stress that, that we don't, animals are not abused for gain ever. I mean, they are made sure to have a comfortable life because um, we owe that to them as stewards and but also as business people mm-hmm. for sure yeah and, I mean, and like uh, you said, i've never seen it because it, it really doesn't make sense like like you're saying that as to why they would do that it, it's not going you know if you abuse a, a milk cow she's not gonna she'll be stressed she's not gonna produce as much milk and it's similar in, in every thing but i mean it, even if it weren't a business perspective in it like we said before, farmers want to be farmers, right? Like they inherited the right. land, yep. they inherited these animals. They, I mean, it, they are everything to them. And there's a, some studies out there and, you know, some human scientists, psychologists who have evaluated, you know, losing land is pretty high up there on the most stressful, most emotionally taxing things that could happen to somebody for a farmer to lose their land. Um, at one point, somebody equated it, I can't remember the psychologist that I was talking to, that he said he he would equate it to losing a child, which I thankfully have never experienced either of those things. And I don't know where his data came from, but, but that kind of tells you that it, it is really important to them. And if they're abusing their animals and things are you know going wrong, they're not going to have that farm for very long because you can't sustain that. So they're not going to abuse their animals. I won't say that abuse never happens from employees or anything like that. You know, children are abused, but that doesn't mean that everybody who has children abuses their children, right? So as a whole, the dairy industry is very respectful to their animals. And just like the beef industry, you know, we're respectful when we harvest these animals because we appreciate what they are giving to us. You know, they they do a lot for us and we treat them as if they do a lot for us. You know, the dairy cows are our moms and we treat them like that's what dairy producers say, like treat that cow like you would treat your mother, right? Because she is a mother. <laughs> and so it makes sense that they, you know, they care for them. It's, I don't know how else to say it. They just really, they do take care of them very well. Yeah. And I think it's like, and I think what we're talking about here illustrates that people on the other side of this, on the animal rights side, do ha- they, they absolutely have an agenda and they're going to do the things and they're going to try to find the things that make animal agriculture look as bad as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, and let's face it, like they are going to try and set things up. They're going to try and coax things. They're going to try and take things out of context, make things look worse than what they are. So I, I really want people to realize that they're really trying to play on people's emotions and p- play on fear here. Yeah. And that, I mean, when they release the videos, you can tell that it's not you know, just a spur of the moment type of thing, right? Like they edit them, they put a lot of effort into 
putting these things together to for the shock value, right? Like they want people to see that and say, oh my gosh, what in the world are these people doing? But a lot of it, like you said, is really staged um, or exaggerated. And after the videos come out, you know, and, and law enforcement gets involved in all of that and they figure out through, you know, through talking to people what actually went on, they figure that out, right? But nobody hears about that portion of it. Once it's one day in the media, everybody has moved on to the next whatever is shocking at that day. Right, right. Have you ever, like, uh, you know, you've read a lot of headlines, but have you ever read a retraction? I never have. Probably not. But there should be yeah, a I lot mean, of them. They, yeah, and they're probably, and the thing about it is they probably are a lot of them. We just don't see them because they're on page 19 or something of a newspaper or like buried. They're not, you know, because that's not not what moves people like the that initial shock and people remember that and you know i it's it, and it is it the things that they're showing if they were true and if it was like it, they're, they're appalling they absolutely yeah. are yeah but there's so much behind what's happening and what, what and kind of where we were going to go with this is how is that affecting producers that you've seen? Like, how is that affecting their relationship with public? How is that affecting even their own, like, struggles and their own, um, like, oh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, their own, like, self-confidence, I guess, mm -hmm. probably. What is your, what's your opinion on that? So I think there's probably about three ways that it affects them. First, it probably realistically decreases dairy product consumption because it's going to hit some people that maybe were on the fence that now say i'm mm -hmm. going to be a vegetarian or a vegan or, or whatever you know like that's enough to put them over the edge for that i don't know that it's a great amount of people but surely it affects some people it affects them from a personal standpoint like you said anytime somebody is trying to attack what you work so hard and sacrifice so much for has to be just so frustrating and heartbreaking. I mean, they give everything and take care of their animals so well. And then somebody is going to come in and say, and lots of people are going to come in and say, right, that the dairy industry is horrible, that we treat our cows badly. All of these things that are not true is it, it gets to them eventually, right? And then the third way, I think, with a, a public relations standpoint is producers are now afraid to let people onto their farms you know you used to be able to go to farms you know on field trips and all of that and there still are agritourism type farms that that do that and have a certain part of their business or a side business maybe in doing that but you're not really going to go up to a farm that you just pass on the side of the road and say hey can i see your cows they're going to be very suspicious of that right and even when i mm -hmm. bring students to farms you know they they want to make sure that I'm okay with that person, that I've thoroughly vetted them, right? To make mm -hmm. sure that they're mm -hmm. not going to do something terrible, that they can, they can feel safe with them. And I think that's a, a really sad thing that has yeah, come out. Yeah, super sad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have to be leery. And I, I understand where they're coming from, from that. But I also wish that we could stop it so that the kids and everybody could get back on farms and learn where their food comes from and how good they do treat their animals. Yeah. And so from what I, and again, I'm talking about beef here. I'm talking about my place because that's the only perspective I have. 
Mm-hmm. I do my best to try and invite people I know. And like you say, you know and you trust and you know that they don't have an agenda. Um, they just want to actually, they're actually really curious and they really want to know about their food. And I make it a point to try and, you know, we don't have an agritourism type thing here, but just a, a friend to friends, you know, kind of come out. We, what was it last? Was it this past yeah, this past Thanksgiving, we always um, get our fall calvers and then we sell the spring calves off around Thanksgiving. Um, anyway, we had some friends come out who they they love the farm, but they don't live on one. We go to church with them and they came out and they helped us vaccinate the calves and, you know, work the cows. And it was a lot of fun, you know, and I, I, mm-hmm. I wish more people could experience something like that from both sides, because uh-huh. that's the kind of For stuff sure. that really kind of makes people get back connected is to actually get in there and actually do some work. Right. Right. Cause I mean, kids and even adults nowadays are so far removed from farms that, I mean, they don't even like get to drive past them anymore. They don't, they aren't exposed to it in certain areas of the country. Um, and so they don't experience that. And we started an event at Mississippi state three, three or four years ago um, called breakfast on the farm. And I, I didn't create this from scratch, right. Other, places do this too, where you invite kids and families and teachers for field trip to the dairy farm or in our case, our university herd and let them see, you know, we do some dissection so they can learn about the science of what's going on in the udder and the, the stomach and that type of stuff. We let them milk a cow. Um, we let them play with baby calves because everybody loves a baby calf, right? Until you have to feed them twice a day. <laughs> you don't <laughs> quite love them as much. <laughs> they're cute right um and so we we do surveys after right of the teachers and one year i did it of the kids and haven't done it since because they they wrote some interesting things on they're not related to the (laughs) the events at all but i can imagine yeah the teachers and the parents always say something on there like that i really had no idea what went on on a dairy farm or my perception of what dairying was like is now completely different in a positive way as as opposed to what it was before you know and we're going to try to increase our consumption we know how hard farmers are working like something to that effect is it's almost always on every single paper that is turned in after that event and so those things are they make a difference you know they're impacting people that they can then spread it on to other people because that when someone says oh dairy is not great to that person who came to our farm, that person can say, wait a second, I went to this dairy farm and they work very hard to take care of their animals and do a good good job for us. And so it, it helps us for more than just those people. Right. Oh yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's Those are all really great things to advance the industry and help us have a greater relationship with consumers. So. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I want to make sure and give you enough time and and talk about what you have going, coming up. I know that you you have some mental health first aid trainings that you want to talk about, and then anything else that you want to kind of promote here. Sure. Um, so, have you talked at all on here about what mental health first aid is before? I we have we've had some some several people the discussion but it's okay treat it like it like nobody knows what you're talking about okay (laughs) perfect so mental health first aid is a nationally recognized program um, not something sorry 
not something we came up with or, or anything like that, but um, we have several um, faculty, staff, extension agents, um, students even who are trained in mental health first aid um, that the goal of it is to learn to recognize signs of mental distress so that you can get that person to the help that they need. It, it encourages you to be more observant, to be a, a helper to the, that person. And I, from my experience, I definitely find myself noticing more things, right? They call it expert noticers in the, the program. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it really helps you. It, if, if, if you haven't done it, it really is something you should look into because it, it doesn't just apply to producers. It doesn't just apply to any group of people. It really is helpful in a lot of different aspects. Um, and so we have trainings coming up in collaboration with Mississippi State Extension and AgriSafe. Um, the Promise Initiative is the, the grant team that I was talking about earlier that's at Mississippi State, who does a lot of work with farm stress and, and rural health in general. Um, so the three teams are kind of um, working together to put on three free for Mississippians um, cost at cost for outside states trainings. And so they are Tuesday, November the 3rd from 1230 to 5 Central, uh, Thursday, November the 12th from 8 a.m. to 1230 Central, and Wednesday, December the 9th from 8 a.m. to 1230 Central. Again, free for Mississippians from the grant to the Promise Grant and at cost, so less than $30 for everybody else to participate. We have enough trainers to train, I think, 60 people at a time, dividing them up into different teams. And if more people are interested, we will add as many classes as everybody wants to attend. But we really want people to, to get out there. We want to reduce the stigma. Mental health is, is so important and it needs to be at the forefront of people's minds. Um, it, 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 we need to learn more about it. Everybody does. So please, check the AgriSafe website for more information and how to register. And of course, you can contact me if you can't find it or anything. Um, my email is amanda.stone, S-T-O-N-E, at M-S-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Perfect. We'll link all that in the show notes. Is there a link to the AgriSafe through AgriSafe yet on their website? It's getting set up right now, but I will send you the um, flyer that has all the information. Perfect. On it. Perfect. And what I'll do, I'll make a blog post about it and um, with awesome. all of that. And I will, I'll, what I'll, what I'll probably do is just link the blog post in the show notes with all the information. That way there's not a whole bunch of places to click and everybody can find everything in one, in one place. So that will be awesome. Cool. Well, Amanda, this was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I always have fun with these things. I mean, that's why I do this because I enjoy it and it's fun and people take a lot out of it. And, you know, we have talked to a lot of dairy people and I was one of those people within the agriculture industry who did not totally get dairy did not mm -hmm. totally under and I still don't totally understand it. I sure don't understand the work, the stress, the um I mean the always the all the gears turning like I mean it's just I it seems like every day I find out about something new and just it just blows me away. So 
I, I, I'm always, I'm always interested and always enjoy talking to folks about dairy because it's something that I have really gained a passion and an appreciation for over this last year. Well, I love that. And obviously it's my passion too. So I'm, I'm with you there, <laughs> but it was great talking with you and everybody, please go buy more dairy products, support dairy producers all the please. time. Yep. Thank you for having yep. me. You know, and that's another thing. I, I've been way more intentional about trying to buy more dairy as I try to, I mean, shoot, we have four, we have four boys and we drink like three gallons, four gallons a week. (laughs) Um, We do 2%. I think they like that the best. I would, I, and I'm not just saying this because you, because if you're across from me here, but I, I prefer whole milk. I really do. I always well, you have. you can keep their um, four gallons think, of 2% and then you can buy another gallon of whole milk, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't buy, I don't buy the groceries. So that's the oh, problem. Okay. <laughs> 2% is good. Uh, any milk is good, but yeah, whole milk, uh, you just can't. Any milk is good. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> well, cool. Well, this this was really fun. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your time here Thank tonight. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. It was fun. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.